You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesday mornings, or you can check us out in audio format wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. morning and welcome to Coffee and Clergy. I'm Pastor Doug Chinberg. I'm Pastor Scott Pitch. We're glad to have you with us today on uh, this first uh, day of, uh, of well, our first series in Easter now, officially. So yes. We're, uh, yeah. Glad to be with you. We took last week off and we're, we're back at it again today um, in our discussion on prayer. So if you were uh, not with us last time, this is the second uh, episode in that series. So you might want to go listen to that one too to get caught up. But we're focusing in on Jesus' command uh, to pray to our Father, and the request of the disciples when they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so uh, we're following through a series. that It kind of hops around in your Bible a little bit, so I invite you to take your Bible and have it ready. Um, we'll be going from uh, book to book, chapter to chapter, uh, looking at some references on today's topic. Um, this is, uh, uh, like Pastor Doug said, Coffee and Clergy, so if you're new with us, we want to welcome you. Uh, let you know that we uh, we usually meet and have our discussion at uh, 10 a.m. on Wednesday, and then those videos are up on Facebook and YouTube, and then you can also find them in podcast form, usually the next day on Thursday, uh, wherever you find your podcast. So if you're interested in listening to it while you're doing something else, that's what I usually do. I go back and listen to them just to say, man, I really goofed that one up, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I usually listen to it in podcast format, so... Um, yeah, so let's uh, maybe open with a prayer if we're going to talk about prayer today. So Good idea. Let's join me in prayer. Um, Lord, we give thanks to you for this day and the opportunity we have in it to uh, do your will and to ask that your will be done in our lives. We pray simply, God, that uh, you would be with us today, send your Holy Spirit uh, to be in the midst of our conversation uh, for those who are who are uh, listening in, and pray that their hearts and their minds and their their eternal souls might be moved uh, closer to you uh, to seek where you may be found. So we pray that you would guide us today by the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Yeah, so last time we talked about uh, talking to God as our Father. Mm-hmm. And as we move through the Lord's Prayer today, we're going to look at uh, a couple of other petitions. And primarily, uh, we're going to take a look at, uh, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, we ask God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to look at those two sections of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. One is deceptively easy to pray, and one is really hard to pray. <laughs> I'll yeah. just say that right off the bat, all right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's let's hop into the discussion today. Okay, and just to, just to give you a little bit of um, background of what we're going to talk about, uh, as we talk about remembering the Lord's Prayer, uh, again, we're going to look at these two sections, uh, Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we remember that our Heavenly Father reigns in our lives uh, by His grace, 
Um, we're also aware that there's a, another kingdom around us, and that's Satan's kingdom, and those two kingdoms are at war with each other. Yep. And so we are, we are right in the middle of those kingdoms, which, again, is another reminder that we need to pray. Or, or those kingdoms are right in the middle of us, you could also say. Yes. It's a war for our heart, so it's a war for our, for our eternal soul. And so it's going, raging on within us all the time, yeah. as well as around us. Yeah. yeah. And um, so and even as we look at our Lord Jesus Christ and how he was teaching and modeling his disciples, there were times where um, they asked Jesus to pray, and there were other times, again, when they did not get... Uh, what Jesus was talking about, uh, I think of the incident when uh, James and John said, Lord, can we sit at your right and your left in your kingdom? Yep. And Jesus said, wait just a moment. You know, this is uh, not for me to decide. But um, um, he, he went on to talk about um, uh, what God does want us to do if we want to be great in his kingdom is that he wants us to serve. Yep. And he wants us to love and care for others. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a, a background as we talk about um, God's kingdom. Um, but as, as we begin today, um, we want to read a passage from John's Gospel in chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 1 through 18. And this is where Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. And, um, and then we're going to take, after we read that, we'll spend a little bit of time about talking about uh, what is Jesus talking about in re- reference to his kingdom okay. in this passage. And um, um, I'll field the first one. If you okay. Yeah. So we'll read John chapter 3. Uh, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who, co- who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell tell where it is coming from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Okay, so we uh, hear Jesus and Nicodemus talking, and Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus thinks that Jesus is talking about a physical rebirth, uh, but that's not what Jesus is referring to. So maybe let's start off, what, what is Jesus referring to? 
being born again, uh, I, we would say as good Lutherans at baptism, right? That we receive uh, a new identity in Christ. We're adopted as his sons and daughters into his family. Um, yeah, so it's a spiritual rebirth rather than a physical rebirth. And, uh, you know, according to these um, verses, you mentioned it, um, how do we receive that new birth? Uh, you mentioned through holy baptism, through water and the Spirit. And, um, um, you know, as we, we talk about the kingdom of God, sometimes we think of, of kingdoms and we think of a physical location. But is that really, is, is God's kingdom a, a piece of turf on the, on the ground or... No, it's uh, something that's it's it's a it's a hard thing for us to comprehend because we deal in tangible, real stuff all the time, and we don't really deal too much in the more abstract way of thinking about things. But this is really one of those abstract times where, um, not to say that it's it's not real; it is very real, but it's abstract. It's hard for us to wrap our brains around because we're not from that spiritual purely spiritual realm, the way God exists purely in, in spirit. Uh, and so it's a, it's all around us. It's within us. It is a place, but it's also not a place. Um, the way I like, like to think about the kingdom of heaven, when, when people talk about these kind of things around, you know, times of, of death and, and wondering where loved ones go and stuff, as I say that the kingdom of heaven is where God is. Okay. So when you explain it is a location, where is God? Yes, right. Yeah. He's everywhere, right? So he's he's here today. He's there in the future. He's there forever. He has been forever. He's everywhere. He is, right? That's why he says his name is I am. Anywhere you look, anytime you look, any place you look, God is there. And so wherever God is, that's where we will be um, when we die. Okay, so God's kingdom may be within us, or it may not be within us. That's true. Um, um, I guess one of the, the the ways I like to understand it or talk about it is, uh, as you mentioned, God's kingdom is wherever he rules and reigns, yeah. wherever he is at, uh, ruling and reigning. And so if, if we have faith in God, um, that faith... Um, uh, holds on to God and and he lives within us um, to teach us who we are, how to live, um, um, what his will is. And um, one of the things that we've, one of the images that we've used in our confirmation class is the throne chair in our heart. And um, I like that because it gives us an image. Um, But in the throne chair in our heart, you know, question is always who's sitting there. And sometimes we like to sit there, uh, but that the, that throne chair is really meant for God to sit there and for him to rule and reign in our heart and mind uh, as we live out our life each day. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, um, that's uh, the kingdom of God. There's, a, there's another passage from Romans uh, 14, 17 that also talks about the kingdom of God, and it's uh, uh, just one verse, and I'll read that one. Sure. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so, um, uh, again, we, we have a picture of what God's kingdom is. And so how, using this passage, how would we describe that? It's sort of this this idea that uh, it's a kingdom which is not not merely or purely stuff. Like most kingdoms you see, it's, they're hard to describe because they're so vast, but you could you could 
audit them, break them down by the stuff that is in the kingdom, um, the power that they have in their military, the treasury in their you know vaults. With God's kingdom, you can't really do that. It's there. It's real. It's it is an actual kingdom with authority, but it's not easily grasped like that. It's not made out of stuff. It's bigger than that. It's it's everything that you can't really touch and and taste and feel. It's uh, it's why it says it. It explains it in emotions. It says it's full of you know joy and it's full of. Uh, um, righteousness and peace, because these are the th- these are the stuff of the kingdom of God. It's not stuff you can grab hold of, but it is something everyone understands. Hopefully, what it feels like to be full of joy, and what it feels like to have peace, and and what it looks like when a person is truly righteous. And so that's the stuff, in air quotes, of what God's kingdom is. Okay, and you know, in the same way that sometimes we we would like to see God face to face, we'd like to reach out and touch Him. You know, in the same way that God is spirit, uh, his kingdom is made up of um, uh, uh, spiritual things. Mm -hmm. And part of those spiritual things um, include the the righteousness. We would uh, make it maybe more complete, the righteousness of God and the the peace and the love that he enjoy, that he gives us through his Holy Spirit. And... um, uh, again, it's sometimes uh, hard for us to grasp because it's not a, a physical thing that we can see and touch. And um, but as you said, it's 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 very real. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, you know, to to talk with someone who has that that peace or joy, or uh, you know, there are times where we recognize people that are kind of very spiritual people, and and they're they're filled with the spirit of God. And in tune with the kingdom, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can realize that, mm-hmm. and um, and so uh, a question is then how do we receive God's kingdom? That's a great question. Um, first of all, uh, why would we want to receive God's kingdom? Well, the hope is that uh, many of us would love to have in our sinful natures an actual the wealth of a kingdom, the authority and the power of an actual kingdom and king. Uh, However, this is the only kingdom you inherit, not by conquering, but by being conquered, having your sinful nature uh, put to death, humbling yourself before the Lord, and then uh, by by making yourself perfectly subject to the power and authority of the king, you receive then the good gifts of the kingdom. Normally, that's sort of the opposite of that. In the world, we, we think the only way we can... Know, obtain a kingdom's worth of treasure or influence or power or whatever it is to go get it to sick mm-hmm. it and be aggressive and 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 haughty and and bold rather than than soft spoken gentle kind patient and so noble. you're you're saying that we can't we can't demand god's kingdom mm-hmm. uh we can't demand to enter it we can't demand to to take it upon ourselves um Really, we can't do anything with regard to the kingdom. It's okay. all of what God does to us. Okay, and uh, maybe let's the the good news of that is that God wants us in His kingdom, mm-hmm. and He gives us His Holy Spirit so that His kingdom will be in us. Mm-hmm. And that's that's you know even more important than our desire. That's His desire, yep. and and that's really the good news is that that God wants to bring us into His kingdom and 
he wants to teach us what that means and how to live in his kingdom and um, and also the relationship that we have with him and others uh, mm-hmm. when God's kingdom is within us and we're within God's kingdom. And uh, I think I think another thing, if we turn back to Luther's catechism and his his explanation on the um, the second petition, "Thy kingdom come," it says, "How does God's kingdom come?" God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. So when you ask the question, how do we receive it? Well, there's a couple of things there. It says when God gives us His Word, that's one thing. And when we take that Word and allow it to transform us into godly living, um, both for today and for forever. So um, we receive it by that process of sanctification and um and discipleship, growing in that faith. Yeah. Um, and and again, the good news is that God's Spirit is always working in us, around us, and through us, and um, not only to bring us into that kingdom, but to keep us in the kingdom and help us to grow. Yep. So what a blessing that is. And um, uh, uh, another passage to look at is um, from Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. Okay. And uh, do you want to read that one? Yep. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if, and if that's how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possession and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay. Um, Again, we hear that uh, in these verses that God wants to give us his kingdom, which is good news. Uh, But we also read kind of throughout that passage that there are things that can get in the way. And so what are some of the things that that get in the way of us coming into God's kingdom? Worry is the thing he's primarily talking about here. And it's I would say worry here means being concerned with the things of the world overly much. Are we supposed to care about what we eat? Yeah, I think God wants us to have some concern for that. But does he want us to spend our whole day worrying about where our next meal comes from? Some people will do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Does he want us to think about the providing for, you know, the clothing that our kids wear and that we wear and, and things like that? Yeah, I think he wants us to concern ourselves with that, but not to worry overly much about it. Spend our day concerning with ourselves with how to get stuff. Yeah. 
Instead, he wants us to spend our days concerning being concerned with honoring God, serving our neighbor, um, seeking his kingdom, okay. meaning uh, trying to actively invite God to work in your life and the lives of those around you, uh, and taking your part in, in bringing more peace and joy in, through righteousness into the world. Okay. Um, there's, so there's a lot of things that can interfere with God's kingdom. Um, another thing that I've thought about, it's not necessarily in this passage, but another thing that interferes with us and God's kingdom is kind of the busyness of life. Um, sometimes I recognize the busier I am, it's easier to forget about God, to be more concerned about the things I think I need to get done and accomplish. And, um, I miss being a part of God's kingdom, or at least recognizing that I'm in God's kingdom and God's right there with me. Mm -hmm. And, uh. I, I has sort of sense this impression that the modern sort of mentality on that is, oh, we're so we're so much more busy now than we were ever before. And in reality, I think we just are really, really bad at at putting things in the right priorities with our time. I don't think we're actually more busy out of necessity than people in previous generations were. I mean, when when you had to spend a sixty-hour work week just to have enough money to put the bare minimum rations on the table for your family. That was busy, right? Or when you had to go go to a well that's maybe mm-hmm. miles away from your home to get water and uh, and go and hunt the food that you're going to eat for that day. And there are still, I mean, we say that like that's the distant past, but there are still people around the world in different parts of the world who are doing these things all yeah. the time. I mean, I would argue that is truly busy. Um I think we have busied ourselves with the things of the world in a lot of in a lot of senses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have put things that we can do over things that we should be doing, mm-hmm. and I think that causes problems for us where we over busy ourselves. So we have no energy left over, you know, no fuel in our tank to use that metaphor. At the end of the day, for things that we should be doing, having conversations with our families about God, growing in His Word, service to our neighbor. Um, yeah, studying his That's word. A, yeah, some some thoughts about priorities. What mm-hmm. what are what are our priorities in life as we um, uh, spend time with God, as we spend time in His Word? Um, you know, I think that's one of the great blessings of uh, God giving us a day off each week, a day of rest, mm-hmm. is that we can come to His house and hear His word and and uh, ask God to fill us with His Spirit and say, God, how do you want me to live my life uh, as I live in your presence? And um, he's, he always tells us, he, he gives us gifts, he strengthens our faith, he teaches us how to live. And, um, and again, the good news is God is working all around us, and each and every day he invites us uh, to join him yeah. in that work. And uh, uh, I kind of I chuckle about that, because I, I think some people probably don't find Sundays particularly restful. Um, and this is where it's important to define what God meant when he said the Sabbath day of rest. It's not necessarily about filling your day with diversions or doing nothing at all, you know, mm-hmm. or sleeping in. It, like, every now and again, those things are fine. The day, the day of rest is meant to be rest for mind, body, and soul altogether. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, sometimes I, I think of, like, parents with young kids, like, Sunday mornings are not a restful time. When you're wrestling, you know, kids to get them in clothes and get them out the door and get them to church, like, that's a, a circus, you know. And 
I th- I think you know you get them there and then you're like oh and then they you know act out in church and for for many many families across America they've just said no to church because it's not restful and they they value that rest on Sunday but they are once again getting the wrong priority for what what they should be doing they're they're emphasizing the wrong characteristics of rest to say mm-hmm. if it causes stress in my life it's not restful um, and in reality what what's restful about Sunday mornings if you're a Christian, is coming into God's house, receiving his gifts, having your your spirit restored and renewed, hearing God's word and receiving his promises, his covenant every single week, joining with the fellowship of believers so that you can um, come to the Lord's table with your brothers and sisters in Christ and receive his body and blood and the forgiveness of sins, being able to confess and lay down your burden of sin before God and before your brother and sister in Christ, hearing a message preached and proclaimed about the salvation of, of you as an individual whom Christ has claimed, those things are what where we find the rest part of Sunday, not in the fact that, oh, no, I have to wrestle someone to get them into the, yeah. a car seat and into church clothes to get them to church on Sunday. And there's, uh, there's a, a discipline that adults have in receiving that rest, and there's... Uh, when little children are around, there's a there's a discipline and in, in helping to helping them to be disciplined, uh, so that they will have that same rest later on in life. Yep. And uh, uh, but you're right; it's it's not always easy, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and it takes it takes effort, but it's um, uh, there's a great reward. Oh, it's so uh, worth it. Yeah. It's just about it's like anything that you do if you if you actually put something into it, you'll get something out of it. If For people who are focused on the wrong kind of thing and don't allow themselves to be engaged in the in the worship service because they're so caught up on, you know, doing the thing to get it, to get themselves there and get themselves situated and they're lamenting the fact that they've lost the free time that they might have otherwise had or they're thinking about what's going on later in the day and they're not there in the service like actively trying to participate in it in some way or helping their kids to actively participate in it in some way, they're not going to get much out of it. And they're not going to be able to put much into it. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely, like you said, it can be hard work, but it is is very rewarding work. It's it's frankly the most rewarding work you can do is is worship of God. Yeah. And uh, one one more passage that we want to talk about as we look at Seeking God's kingdom, and it's from First Timothy chapter two, uh, verses three through six. I'll read that one. Uh, it says, uh, "This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all people. And this is this is now or this has now been witnessed." Uh, two at the proper time. And uh, so uh, what is Paul saying here about God's desire for us? That's a good question. Um, In that opening verse that God wants, or in verse four, that God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's kind of nice to know God's desires. it's It's a commentary on the nature of God and his relationship to us, that God's desire for us is and always will be for all humanity to see them sought after and saved through the power and the blood of Christ. He wants that for everyone. Yeah, those images of the the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son all come to mind 
um, as you know, God uh, expresses His desire to have us close to Him because we uh, uh, we matter to Him. Uh, we're important to Him. So that's that's His proper and foremost nature is a God who loves and will seek us to to pull us out of the depths of our sin. There's also the secondary nature of God, which is the, the wrath against sin and sinfulness, where he wants to see it eradicated because it corrupts his creation. Um, we just happen to find ourselves in the middle of that transition and that fight. So I think sometimes people feel like God's nature towards them is hatred towards them, and that's not the case. God's nature is one of, first and foremost, love, and secondarily, wanting to see the the corruption within driven out mm-hmm. so that so that the love can not only be re- received but it can also be grown yeah. and increased and r- righteousness of god uh, to be formed in us yep. uh, to shape us to lead us um, and he he goes on in this passage to tell us um, uh, how god's desires are carried out in us uh, in verse in verse 5 there, mm-hmm. uh, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, uh, and it tells us what he did, that he gave himself as a ransom for all people. And um, uh, again, another um, uh, ransom or redeem, uh, that's another word that comes to my mind. Um, and so when we think of Jesus redeeming us, he uh, He buys us back and um, we, we can go back to the garden to remember that we were, in the beginning, God's creation, but after Adam and Eve sinned, um, they and their succeeding, the succeeding generations uh, were not a part of God's kingdom, but a part of Satan's kingdom. And so there was a, a, a cost to win us back. Yep. And that's, that's proof positive of why God's nature is not one of wrath, but of love, is the, the raw cost that he paid to claim us. If he were a god of wrath, he would not have paid so heavy a price to get us back with his with his own blood, his own son's blood. So, yeah, definitely, that's uh, a good indicator that uh, the that ransom language, that redeemed language, those are kind of like you know money terms, and that just mm-hmm. shows the the exceeding value that we have in God's eyes and the exceeding cost that He paid to get us back. Yeah, and. Uh, again, good news to know that God loves us so deeply, and that we are—we uh, have such value in His eyes. Mm-hmm. And but you know, I mean, you can ask almost any parent, and they'll tell you how much they love their child, how much they they want good for their child. And, and as we started the Lord's Prayer, we talked about you know talking about God as our Father, and and uh, um, so He He loves that relationship, um, and He loves to call us His children, and. He loves to have his children in his kingdom. And that's at the very, to bring this all back, that's at the very center, the very core of what it means for God's kingdom to come. It's a good kingdom, a kingdom of love, not of ju- a lot of wrath. It's not primarily a kingdom of bringing justice to injustice. It's a, a kingdom of breaking the chains of slavery to sin and, and, and embrace from a loving father. Yeah. And uh, again, the, the, the blessings flow from that. And so let's let's make a, a shift now from talking about God's kingdom to talking about God's will, and um, maybe we should begin by uh, reading the the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, uh, as Luther kind of spelled that out. Yeah, and that might just kind of set some groundwork as we talk about the will of God. Okay, 
Um, so the third petition is, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Luther asks, what does this mean? That's a good question to ask. Mm-hmm. The good and gracious will of God is done even without prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. How is God's will done? God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. And when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die, this is his good and gracious will. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, Luther mentioned um, in talking about God's will, he also talked about God's kingdom mm-hmm. and Maybe a place to start um, is simply to talk about how, and we've done this a little bit, but um, maybe a little more specifically, how is God's kingdom related to God's will? Well, it the it says that his his will is what he wants to have happen here, and what he wants to have happen is his his kingdom to come. Okay. Um, and, and to come in its fullness and its righteousness, like all these things we just talked about with his proper nature of love and claiming us and the forgiveness of sins and um, virtually everything we've talked about, that's all encompassed in his will being done. And there are powers in the world that try to thwart his kingdom to come, which is against his will. And so that's whenever it said that um, his will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan of the devil of the earth and of our sinful nature. Um, that's what it really means. It's a, it's an authority thing. God's kingdom is what brings His will, and God's will is that His kingdom would come. The, yeah. the two can't be really separated from each other. Yeah, and um, and again, it's uh, I just think of the the blessings flow from that, and um, and so let's let's look at a couple of other passages. Um, the first one is from. First uh, John chapter two verses fifteen through seventeen, and it says this: It says, "Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever." And uh, shall we go ahead and read that second passage um, from Romans chapter 12? Yep, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, um, so what do these passages talk about as far as knowing the will of God? Um, well, the first passage, I think, paints a clear picture that the that the desires and the will of man and of earth and of Satan are often against God's will. Okay. And so this transformation of, of asking your will be done is actually an extremely difficult prayer for us to pray because God's will... Sometimes it's not our will. God's will is sometimes that our dog dies or that we get sick or that wars happen or that tornadoes come or that these things happen. And that's not not to say that they would happen if the sinful nature wasn't here, but we admit that God is in control of all things, even things we can't comprehend. So we say, your will be done anyways. 
we don't know what your purposes are in these things that are happening around us, but we know that they are not purposeless because you are a God who is orderly and in control. And so our prayer that thy will be done is showing us what essentially that passage in Timothy, or sorry, at first John said that, that we do not always agree with God's will, but that's where God's will must rule and reign because we think we understand what, what the right thing is, but we don't know like God knows what the right thing is. And so we defer our will to his. Yeah. As I read that passage, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the, the love of the world or anything that comes from the world. Um, um, that doesn't come from the Father. And so mm-hmm. there's, um, there's so many things, um, uh, as you mentioned, that God's will is opposed to the things of the world. And um, they, they specifically mention like the lust of the flesh, that would be our, our fleshly sinful desires. Uh, sometimes we desire... Um, you know, uh, not to work, or we desire to um, eat more than we should, or we desire to. Um, uh, there are things in the um, that are our flesh desires that aren't a part of the will of God. There's also the lust of the eyes, um, and so those things that are good and pleasing and and uh, look good to us. Um, I I'm going to tell a story about my son. Uh, here there was a time when he was he was little, and uh, we had gone to a candy store in the mall. And in the candy store, it was one of those bulk candy stores where I mean they had uh, hundreds and hundreds of different kind of candy that you could choose from. And um, we had uh, I don't remember all the details, but we had um, said that he could go in and, and get a piece of candy and and. Uh, um, um, there was, uh, you know, when he got in there, all of a sudden he wanted more than just one piece of candy. He wanted a, a number of things. And, and what I remember is that we ended up leaving because he couldn't pick one thing. Mm-hmm. And he was not a very happy camper when we left uh, because there was so many good things that that was calling for his attention. And it was just almost overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um and um, but that's kind of how we can live in the world. We we see all these things that we want and desire, um, and they can easily pull us away from God and what's uh, God's good will for us in our lives. We want to have them, and they end up having us. Right? Yes, yeah. Works, yeah. yeah. So I talked about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, but also the pride of life. Um, um, uh, again, those desires that we think uh, when we deserve something or uh, that something should be rightfully ours, um, that we're entitled to it, uh, those those desires um, make objects, uh, uh, we've talked about it in the past, those, those desires can actually turn an object into an idol. Yep. And uh, that becomes our whole focus of, of what we want in life, and we forget about God, and, and we just go after the things that we want. Yeah. And so often these things are actually good and and they're not bad things from God yeah. that 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 own us. It's like I was thinking about screw tape letters. That that's a, I won't go into the whole background of it, but essentially the essence of it is there's a uh, a demon who's working on a man who's falling into Christianity. That's the way he would put it, and he's trying to persuade him to go away from it. And the the elder demon who's advising this younger demon is trying to get him to understand the way the human mind works and uh, they talk about like 
there's little ways that that uh, there's ways that humans think they fall into corruption, and then there's ways that actually do. And the ways that we actually fall into corruption are through the little things, the little nudges, the interpersonal relationships, the lust of the flesh and of the eye. Um, these little things that we experience all the time, not the big, great, big, scary things. It's the little, little pinprick things. Yeah. Um, and so we have to be on guard against those things, which are truly good, but also are little doors through which Satan and his minions in power can go through to try and corrupt us. And so we have to be incorruptible while enjoying God's good and gracious. Yeah. So, gifts. yeah. In, in, the, in the same way that a, a piece of candy might be an okay desire to have, but all of a sudden we want a whole bag of candy yeah. or, um, and, and, and we'll do anything to get it. Yeah. And I mean, money's the same way, you know, yeah. we, we want to earn a living and, and do well, but money can quickly become that, um, sexual desire, same way. It's, mm-hmm. there's a healthy outlet for that. Uh, but we often seek after unhealthy ways, um, anything that you can kind of become addicted to. I mean, this this thing, right? Your phone. Yeah. Uh, it's a good gift. It can be a wonderful thing. You know, I have a Bible app on there. I read all the time. But it can also be, you know, hours spent on frivolous things that waste my day away and allow those little doors to for Satan to come in and 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 harm me. So yeah, in that that second passage that you read from Romans chapter twelve, it um, it also talked about knowing the will of God. And, and I love the way that uh, that Romans verse starts off because it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And so the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, we hear about God's mercy over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets to this uh, 12th chapter, he said, now in view of all that God has done for you, um, he says, now offer yourselves as a living sacrifice um, and then he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. And so, again, um, how, does, how does our mind get renewed and transformed? It's a daily process. It's a process of discipleship. Um, I, I think when we talk about discipleship, one of the things we talk about is growing more like Christ. Uh, and... W- when asking for God's will to be done, what better example than Christ, right? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's going to be killed. And what's he pray? Not, not you know, I don't want to do this. He admits he's, he'd rather not do it, but he, he, his desire is to not die. But yet his greater desire is that God's will would be done. And so that's the way we need to try and think about how we come before God and how we regard ourselves and the desires of our hearts is to say, I want these things. I'm not going to deny that I want these things. But my greater desire than even these is that God's will would be done. Yeah. And so you pray that petition. Your will be done, same way Christ prayed it. So we, we, we know that the Holy Spirit is working in our life to transform our minds. He's one of the um, means that he uses, uh, is what we talk about in the Lutheran Church, the means of grace, uh, his word and the sacraments. Yeah. Uh, the Holy Spirit uses those as well to uh, transform us and to to change both our heart and our mind. Um, so we seek after God and His good gifts, and and His will, and uh, all of those are important. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at at another passage from Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter five, uh, verses sixteen to twenty one, and um, uh, this is going to again 
get into that that tug of war again against the um, the spirit and the lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. But um, and I forgot whose turn it is to read. I believe it's your turn. Okay, my turn. Oh, okay, from Galatians chapter five, uh, Saint Paul says, "So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh." For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do, uh, so that you are not to do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious: sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And um, so these passages also remind us um, how difficult it can be um, to walk by the Spirit as we live in this world. Uh, there are things all around us that um, that are pulling at us and calling for us, um, and it's easy to take our eyes off of God and His Word and His will um, uh, to begin to focus our life on the things of the world. Yeah. In the Lutheran Church, we like to talk about law gospel a lot, and this is a tough one. This is why this petition is so so difficult to pray because this is this is a very much a law petition. It's like by praying your will be done, you're acknowledging that your will is not always God's will, but that you defer your will to God. That's not really gospel, right? God's you can find gospel within God's will because his desire and will is to save us, but but this this petition immediately takes our mind all of the times that the world and our sinful nature and the devil have tried to convince us that the desire of our hearts are better than our desire to let God's will be done in our, in our life. And so, um Definitely a challenging passage for sure. Yeah, um, we've now you had mentioned sanctification before, and and this is part of that sanctification process. I, Paul in this section talks about uh, another way or another image that he uses is like taking clothes off and on, mm. and so he he talks about taking off the clothes of the flesh or the worldly aspects of life. And putting on the uh, the clothes that that God gives us, the righteousness of God, and um, and I uh, this passage uh, uh, goes on to talk about what are then the the fruits of the spirit when we put on uh, the righteousness of God, um, and so the fruits of the spirit are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Um, and and those are of great value as those are uh, fruit that are born out uh, in the kingdom of God. Yeah, but in both cases, the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the flesh, you see that they are a result of a seed which has been planted. And so mm-hmm. it's not that we are um, doing all of these things. It's not that we are being righteous or that we are being uh, faithful or good. It's that we have Christ within us and that naturally produces the fruit of the spirit in the same way. It's the, if, if the inward seed of our heart and soul is one set on things of the earth and of fleshly matters, then the natural fruit that's born of that 
fleshly nature is all or all these other things debauchery and drunkenness and all these things so um this is where it's important that we we see that that this is more about the heart than about the action um certainly in, in the church when we talk about the law we're talking about um, not doing bad things. But what we're really getting at is what God really gets at when he talks about the law. It's about the transformation of the inward man, the, the person mm-hmm. within you, the tra- the transformation, like you said, the taking off of the old nature and the putting on of the new and allowing that then by its very nature then to do the good works that God prepared in advance for us to do to go to Ephesians, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that that's an important distinction to make. It's not about living a Christian life uh, is not about doing all of the good things. It's about being the good, uh, being the, the new creation that Christ made you to be, and then allowing that new nature to then naturally produce the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's uh, a tree. You don't have to force a tree to, to make fruit. Mm-hmm. It just bears the fruit that that it was made to bear. And the same is true when God changes our uh, our inward being and creates in us a new man, um, that new man naturally bears godly fruit as God is at work in us. Sure. And, uh, and so these are, these are some of the blessings that God gives us in his kingdom that come to us, and, and we rejoice in that. And, and yet, uh, again, we, uh, we can find that there are uh, things that uh, can cause... Uh, people to doubt and struggle um, uh, that they belong to God's kingdom. And so what are some of the things that might cause people to doubt their being a part of God's kingdom? I mean, going back to this Galatians passage, what if I have a moment where I have an impure thought, or if I am uh, have selfish ambition, or if I have envy or fits of rage, like from time to time, or if I struggle with alcoholism? Does that mean then that that I'm of the flesh and therefore I'm abandoned by God. This is where you have to be careful, and that's why we say it's about the inward heart and the nature, and this is where repentance comes into play too, is we all admit that we all have done some of these things because there's still some aspect within us that is struggling in the flesh to try and um, claim us back for the, the kingdom the kingdom not of God but of, of Satan. So... Um, we have to to do the best we can to try and focus not on those outward actions, but instead on the renewing of our mind or our spirit or our um, our new uh, inward creation. Yeah, so that some people could see the the struggle that goes on within us as an example of them not being in the kingdom of God, uh, where God would say that's really an example of being in the kingdom of God, because if you didn't have that struggle, God, that new man that God has created, um, uh, we wouldn't have those desires to follow God, and we wouldn't feel that warring that goes on within us. And you're essentially a Pharisee and a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. Um, because everyone is filled with things, that with with dirt in their soul. Yeah. It needs to be clean, cleansed and renewed. Yeah. So there's uh, our sinful actions can trip us up. Pride can can trip us up. Uh, um, when we identify our own strength, we can have pride in in the things that we're good at, and uh, then we think we don't need God. Um, on the opposite side, our our weaknesses can trip us up as well. We see our weaknesses and our sin, and we think uh, we don't deserve God's God's kingdom. And 
while that's true, we don't deserve God's kingdom, yet God in his love and grace comes to us and says, I want to claim you as my own because Christ has redeemed you yep. and has bought you back. And um, I want you to realize how, how, how you are my child and how um, blessed I want you to be. And uh, so there's, um, there's things that are, are warring within us all the time that uh, try and cause us to doubt and to lack, um, uh, uh, to question our faith. Mm-hmm. So, um, so how can we, how can people share the the good news of the kingdom with others? I mean, that's, I think that's uh, a part of God's kingdom coming and His will being done, um, as we share His kingdom, so that others are brought into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that how does that take place? There, in in dark times, there's a couple of things you can do when you when you come across someone who's having a difficult season in life. You can be like, "Hey, work up. It's okay. You know, things aren't so bad." Or you can give them hope in saying, especially if they're a Christian, you can say like, "This this world is an imperfect place, and it's not meant to be." What this is not what it was meant to be when God made it. Instead, um, God is doing something new through this process of growing you and growing me and growing us. And his kingdom will be there at the last day, but it's actually happening in our midst right here today. So take hope knowing that in this time of trial, God is preparing you in His uh, to do his kingdom work and, and continue in growing the kingdom. Yeah, I think of that, that, we talk about in the Lutheran Church the law gospel tension, and so oftentimes we feel the law as we live in this world and and feel the things that pull at us and battle within us, and we hear God's word and okay we're not supposed to do that or uh, we are supposed to do this and and uh, sometimes we get caught up in the struggle and and um, sometimes God just wants us to hear the good news, um, whether it's the forgiveness that He gives us, uh, the love that He has for us. Um, we can proclaim those things and be assured that those are good gifts from God that um, that draw us back close to God himself. Mm-hmm. We live in a very skeptical time when it comes to authorities, too, where people mm-hmm. like to challenge the intentions of authorities. When you talk about God's kingdom, what a, what a beautiful portrait it is for people to say, this is an in an incorruptible authority. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely perfect and it is on your side. And to be able to have that kind of an authority is is actually wonderful. It kind of takes us back to our childhood when we had if we had good parents, you know, and and the comfort and security we felt um having someone who was absolutely authoritative over us but was also good and yeah. righteous and virtuous and non-corrupt and loving, right? And we all want that. We all sort of desire to be in that kind of place of uh of uh humility and comfort and love but we don't we get so skeptical with all the authority around us we just reject authority even right authority yeah god yeah and so uh, a practical question here um you know we can ask our listeners in in what areas of your life uh is it most difficult to surrender your will and accept god's will um, uh, that's a, a great question to have people think about. Um, uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult to accept God's will when difficult things go on in our life. Um, you know, we, we question, is God really for me? Is, is, um, you know, is this really the will of God? 
the opposite can be true. Sometimes when life is easy, uh, we forget about the will of God, and we just we we're happy when we're comfortable and the path of least resistance. Yeah, right yeah, and um, and then we don't think about God and and what His will to do in our life is. And um, so, but uh, a great question for our listeners: um, When is it most difficult for you to surrender your will and accept God's will? Yeah, I I I mean there are many many different ways answers to this i think one that that kind of pops into my head is related to that that worrying thing that we mm-hmm. had i think a lot of people today are living in a in a place where the the they have a problem surrendering w- the will of preparation for the future um, we want to do the best we can to make sure that we we take uh precautions to take good care and be good stewards of god's gifts but i think many people spend so much time agonizing and worrying about the future for their kids and the future for themselves and making sure everything is just so instead of just saying like, you've got me, God, I know you've got me, help me to be a good steward of the gifts I have and to focus on today rather than thinking about tomorrow. Yeah. So kind of to maybe to wrap things up and, and uh, again, maybe some personal, we'll throw out some personal thoughts here. Um, um, Again, another question, what are some areas in your life where you have fought against God's will and, um, and at the same time, we, I think we also want to ask our, our listeners to maybe identify even one person uh, that they can share the good news of God's kingdom with. Sure. And um, yeah, well, so going back to the area where you where you fight against God's reign, I mean, we admit we we do this every day in our own pet ways. So I think just for me, the way I often sort of, I guess. Uh, How's the wording? Um, I fight or rebel against God's reign is in uh, in in areas of control, um, not necessarily over like being out of control, but instead more of saying, um, "Why does everything have to be always so in control all the time?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, that's that's an area I struggle, I guess. Um, and I know others struggle with different things. We all, like I said, have our little pet struggles and our pet rebellions and yeah. and our own ways of of resisting God's um, will being done in our own lives. But. Yeah, and um, so we would we would like for you to consider um, uh, maybe someone that you can share the gospel message with. Uh, it could be a, a neighbor or a family member or a friend, and um, uh, again, you um, uh, the good news is that we don't. We don't force anyone into God's kingdom. Uh, the good news is that God desires all people to be a part of his kingdom, that he is working all around them with his spirit and working to draw them into his kingdom. Uh, another part of the good news is that God invites us to join him in that work as well. Yeah. And uh, what a joy it is to see someone uh, uh, step into God's kingdom and profess their faith, confess their faith, and um, uh, and then the challenge, uh, another challenge begins, is uh, to to stay and remain in that that faith. Um, but um, uh, uh, any other concluding thoughts that you want to share? Um, yeah, these two petitions are our kingdom come and, and will be done. Um, they're they're both personal, but they're all they're also both universal too. It's like we want His kingdom. In the world around us, and you could you could talk about p- 
politics and government and stuff and all that. But what we really want to see is God's uh, kingdom uh, at play in the world, meaning we want to do everything as Christians that we possibly can to create a clean, clear avenue for God's kingdom in mm-hmm. this world. Uh, and, and if you want more information on that, you can go listen to our, our podcast that we had uh, about a year ago now where we did uh, Two Kingdoms Theology, um, and that was pretty good. But in terms of his will being done, once again, that's also personal. We want his will to be done in our lives, but we also want to create an environment in which his will can be done in the world around us. And so when you think about ways that in that last kind of challenge, I guess, that we issued that you can identify one person with whom you can share the kingdom, I would start personal and say, how can I invite your kingdom and your will to be done in my life? And then how can I extend the goodness that I receive from that into the lives of others? Yeah, so. and it, it may simply begin with a prayer or, uh, or a listening ear uh, as we uh, grow in a relationship of with someone that we know. And... Um, uh, and listen to see how God is is working in their life, and oftentimes that comes out in the struggles that they have or the questions that they have. And um, yeah, we don't have to be perfect with the answers that we give, but it's uh, um, nice when we can pray with them, when we can encourage them, um, or speak a simple uh, truth from God's Word. Yep, all of those uh, help bring people into God's kingdom. And. Uh, which is his desire. Which is his desire, absolutely. And uh, so maybe as we wrap things up today, um, maybe we should take a moment to pray for those who uh, would like to help God's kingdom be extended into someone else's life and for those uh, who need God's kingdom in their life. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I'll close in prayer if you bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kingdom that uh, has broken into this world. We thank you for the work of your spirit uh, and your spirit who uses your word of truth uh, and love uh, to draw us into your kingdom, to convict us of our sin and uh, to remind us of your love and grace. And so, Lord, we pray for those who... um, who might be looking at uh, a loved one, a family member, or a friend that uh, um, recognizes that they need your kingdom in their life. And as as they work to um, encourage someone, as they work to pray for someone, as they work to share your truth, we ask, Lord, that um, you help them see how you are working in and through them uh, to bring about your purposes and will. And Father, we also pray for those who... Um, who you are working to bring into your kingdom, uh, whether through your spirit or through with the help of someone else. Um, we ask, Lord, that your kingdom would come in, in a glorious way and, and they might clearly see who you are and the love that you have for them, um, demonstrated through the life and death and resurrection of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, uh, we pray that uh, they would come into your kingdom and rejoice as uh, uh, one who has found that new relationship with you. And so, Lord, with all of these things on our heart and mind, we um, uh, just thank you for your work in us, uh, for your uh, for the opportunity to work in your kingdom and, and uh, to share your love with those around us. And so bless our listeners this day, and we commend them into your care, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So uh, thank you for being with us today, and uh, the Lord bless your day. Yeah, have a great day in the Lord, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Coffee and Clergy podcast. We're glad you could join the conversation. 
Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can catch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesday mornings, and we post the podcast on Thursdays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.